Emily told you to get a real dog. <laughs> a real dog. A real dog. Oh. I have a real dog. <laughs> Episode nine. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. So exciting. We are so happy to be here. Welcome to the Rooted in Logos podcast. My name is Brad, joined as always by my cohorts. Carter. It's me. And Carter. Yep. Connor? Nope. Oh, okay, Carter. Carter. Hey, guys. And Austin. And We're finally Maddox. on Apple. We're finally we on Apple. Finally on Apple. We are finally on Apple. So uh, just get that, behind me, Satan. Right. So <laughs> please like us, subscribe. Or no, please subscribe. Five star reviews. That helps us move up the algorithms and the rankings, and people, more people will see it. More people will uh, listen and engage. And maybe Lanesville can be on the map. Maybe <laughs> Corden can be on the map. I live in Corden. All right. Yeah, me too, bro. Okay. Yeah. So we are very excited. I want to get a little bit of housekeeping before we get into our topic today actually more something off my chest oh. and uh last week there was a, a comment made by one of my co-conspirators about the decor in this house <laughs> and they they talked about just this heresy of me having ufl stuff in this house i see it it's right over there and see here, here we go again and i just want to uh, uh, to practice the church discipline that we talked about last week i want it carter i just want to say that was hurtful that 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 was i struggled with that for the whole week like it was it was rough it was i mean you don't even know like fetal position crying kind of struggling so just you hurt me, and if 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 this if you don't you know if we we can't reconcile this we're we're going to the elders like it's happening so all right hey right, Carter we're gonna turn this around back on him all right what? two of us we're coming to you exactly and uh, <laughs> there's no real reason why you should be supporting UK mm-hmm. um only all the reasons you're in Indiana bro get with get with it you're a Hoosier now I mean, you are not. a Hoosier now no, you live in Indiana you're a oh, Hoosier gosh this did not go the way I wanted it to. <laughs> it's all right. I don't even care about sports teams, so it's whatever. All right. Well, I let's, guess I'll, I'll get, get over it. it. Let's so get into it. So today's topic is soteriology. What? what Another great word. See, I really, I just really like the words. You like saying the words. I like saying the words. Soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. Actually, technically, the study of salvation. Ology means study of. So today we're going to look at Christ's work on the cross, what it means for us, what the atonement means. We're going to talk about grace. We're going to talk about repentance. We're going to talk about all the stuff that is involved in salvation. So, well, almost go, everything. Almost everything. Almost everything. We're not, yeah. <laughs> there's a couple controversial topics we're going to talk about maybe next week. We will get into, but yeah, the this, yeah, this week to, it's going to be basically, are you a Christian and how can you tell? Yep. Laying the framework, laying the foundation for uh, next week's uh, intense topic that we'll get to. Yeah. So. We, we might divulge a little bit more Thursday, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to start with grace, uh, just a brief definition of grace, and then there are two different types of grace. So, I want to start out with the definition of grace. It is unmerited favor. All right. It is not something we earn, not something that we deserve. It is unmerited. It is unwarranted. We do nothing to deserve that grace. So when you break grace down, you have common grace. 
And common grace is not salvation. Common grace is what we experience on a daily basis along with unbelievers, along with those who are not a part of the church, not part of uh, God's family. And because of sin, we deserve death, we deserve hell. We all fall short of God's glory and standard. And so, really, in order for us to, uh, in order for God to carry out justice, the minute we sin, we should be smited. Right? Smote. Smoted? Smote. We should we should be struck down. Struck down completely. Yeah. There you go. Because God cannot let anything but perfection into heaven. And without Christ, that perfection is impossible. So because we sin, we do not deserve to be living. We do not deserve to be here. We deserve to be in hell apart from God for eternity. But common grace makes it to where that doesn't have to happen. Common grace says we all have blessings from God, whether we deserve them or not, whether we are part of the family or not. So you you think of things like beauty, going to the Grand Canyon, going to the mountains, going to the ocean, and seeing the beauty of creation and being awestruck by that. That is common grace. That is something that we don't deserve to experience, but we do. You think about relationships, being able to have romantic relationships, have friendships, have mentor-mentee relationships. That's common grace. It's part of common grace. Everything good, everything enjoyable, everything that is beautiful and, and lovely in the world that we all experience as a collective humanity is common grace. And that's it. It's it's both the believer and the unbeliever. We're able to experience that together. And that's not just, you know, believers getting that grace because we are connected to Christ. It's just, it's because we're here in the world that God created. So it's there. Right. Yeah. I mean, I also think, I think of creativity. I think of art, being able to enjoy art, being able to enjoy music, paintings, and, you know, video games and movies and entertainment and all these things that are not in, that are not sinful, that are good and, and enjoyable. That's common grace, but really important that common grace is not salvific grace. It's not right. the grace that allows us to enter God's presence after we die. It is not the grace that covers us and, and covers our sin. Common grace involves works. It involves doing something to experience that joy and experience that good thing. Works do not equal salvation. That is common grace. So, taking common grace. Now, saving grace, the, the special grace that we get as believers— how do we obtain that? And I think Austin has a good amount of stuff prepared for this. <laughs> yeah, I have some scripture. And I might chime in with some pithy comments, but yeah. Hey. there you go. Yeah, looking at, okay, again, the, the point of this is to decipher, are you a Christian and how, how can you tell? Well, b- before you can get into that, you're like, okay, well, how, how do you start it? How do you become a Christian? Looking at Saving Grace, looking at, are you a Christian, how to tell? Let's dive in a little bit to what must you do to be saved in order to look at, is it real? So, for starters, I'm going to look at Romans chapter 9, verses 30 through 33. It's talking about the unbelief of Israel. So, it says, What shall we say then, that Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is, a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But 
as if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. That's talking about Christ. All right, now I'm going to read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So, right there, it lists out exactly what you must do to be saved. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Why? For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So, to be able to confess with your mouth aloud, for yourself, for the people around you, for the angels, for the demons to know who you are going to serve is very important. You can you believe it in your heart. Because like we've alluded to in several uh, different episodes, even the demons believe. So the belief is different. The, the belief and recognition versus the belief in your heart. You know he is your Lord and Savior. So very important. So then if you jump ahead a few verses... Uh, to Romans 10, verse 14, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So going back to what you said, believing with your heart and confessing with your mouth, it says that like to have the true saving faith, knowledge alone is not enough. You need to, like even the devil believed, you need to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. You don't just know all the knowledge and then you're just the best person ever. So there's more than just knowledge. And like, obviously that knowledge is necessary, but it's not the only thing you should have. Yeah. It's it's very important to understand that there, there's what? 10 inches between your head and your heart, right? Roughly. Roughly. We'll go with that. That sounds scientific. <laughs> but don't you, quote us on that. Don't quote us on that. Google it. It'll be fine. But, <laughs> but there you miss heaven by those 10 inches. Right, you miss mm-hmm. heaven by knowing it and saying, "Yeah, that you know I, that makes sense. I know it. I know the facts. I know the figures. I know the statistics." But it's actually believing, yeah, and and not just believing, but living, yeah, right. And and not to say that works. You have to have works to earn salvation, but, but they come. With but it. they come with it. They have to come with we'll it. We'll get into that. Yeah, but. There, there is such a huge difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge, and, and uh, it's really important you all understand that. Well, it, it's a balancing act. You, you have the knowledge, which is it is important. But for me, I would rather have no knowledge at all, and the other side of it, and have the spirit in obedience. Because with the spirit in obedience, knowledge is sure to come. So it, it's a balancing act to have knowledge up with the same level as your obedience. In your the spiritual aspect as well. I mean, do you think the thief on the cross was contemplating the Trinity <laughs> and entering heaven? Right? Do you think the thief on the cross is contemplating substitutionary atonement? I, I don't think he was. He didn't necessarily have that knowledge, but he had the belief and he had the heart change. Exactly. And that's yeah. that's the the key. You, you look at someone like Joshua Harris or Kevin Max from DC Talk, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit. Some of these people who have fallen away. There was a guy from Huck Nelson, I think, that yeah. that also said, "I'm no longer a believer." They have the knowledge, like they they're very smart individuals. All three of them, I'm sure, 
you know, they've written books and they, you know, they write great music about God and about Christ and about his work. And yet there was no heart change. They, they walked away, so to speak, and we'll get into that <laughs> next week. Next little week, teaser. Yeah. But they had that knowledge and they just rejected it eventually after years, after years of proclaiming it and years of, of saying it, they just were like, eh, uh, uh, I don't believe it anymore. Yeah. So there's that, like you said, that balance. The thief on the cross didn't have the knowledge, but he had the heart change in, in it. That one, that one, like he he came out on top on that one. Yeah. And and you these, will be with me this day. Yeah. Like, oh man. And then the three that I mentioned had all the knowledge, but didn't have that heart change. So it just it shows you, like you said, Austin, that importance of the balance, and even maybe even the weight a little bit more on the heart change than the knowledge yes. itself. Yeah, yeah. Because knowledge puffs up, and and knowledge makes you feel good but it doesn't save you. Exactly. And then another verse, just furthering this point, is Romans one thirty two, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. That's Ooh, does one. that sound familiar right now? <laughs> right? Oh, man. Man. That, that's, that one hits home. You have to obey. Yeah. You can't, you can't just know it and think you're good. <clears throat> Scripture talks about if... It is worse for those who know than those who do not. And the, our judgment will be so much more severe than those who do not know. And yeah, it's very important to keep that in mind. <laughs> well, you, you take um, maybe a practical example that's definitely on a smaller scale, but you start a new job and you aren't super familiar with all the policies and procedures and you you mess up. You do something that's against the rules or... or Maybe not even the rules, but just like, that's not the way we do things here. Yeah. You just didn't know. Your you boss, knew. exactly. Your boss, most likely, if you have a good boss, is like, <laughs> that's a learning experience. Let's, you let's didn't know that, that's yep. fine. Now, in two months, when you do the same thing again, after you know that you're not supposed to do that, or you know that's not the way it's done, then you're getting into trouble. Then you are then you have a harsher punishment, you have a consequence, well, you could lose your job. As long as it's something like small, like... You just spilled something, not like, oops, I accidentally just burned the whole building down. <laughs> oh, you're good. You didn't, right. you didn't we, know. We got a couple you more. Didn't, you didn't know we didn't want you to do that. That's fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> of course. Yes. The, the, the more fine-tuned policies and procedures, not the uh, general, don't grab money out of the cash register or put it in your pocket. You're working, <laughs> working in, in, in apparel place, and you just bring clothes home. You're like, exactly. Your boss is like, yeah, you, you can't really do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, I'm going to go through a list of uh, scripture that just kind of reaffirms and solidifies what you must do to be saved. And again, Christianity isn't, go based on worldly aspect, isn't a religion that you have to do anything. You don't have to physically do anything, but you, you do have to put a little bit of effort into it. So, we'll, we'll go through it. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 30 through 31. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So here, it's, it's not even talking about confessing with your mouth. It's just believing. And again, it is a different belief than the ones that the demons have. It is a truly heart-changing belief. Next, and, and I think you'll get there, but faith without works is dead. Yes, exactly. I, I think we'll get there. But just put that in the back of your mind. So based on what you were talking about, the demons, they believed and 
just having that knowledge does not mean the demons are saved because like we all know they're not. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. Like, yeah. So you can't just believe. Well, it's a demonic belief. Yeah. 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 It, and again, the, the difference between their belief versus the truly heart changing belief. They believe, but it, it hasn't changed. Their, right now. We don't even know if they have hearts. That's not script. We don't know. We don't, we don't know. know. But it hasn't changed their uh, outlook. And their outlook. There you go. And their actions. Exactly. True salvific belief changes your actions. All right. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 21, 37 through 38. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, this is a true calling upon the name of the Lord, a true belief. And again, 37 through 38. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Peter gives this mind-blowing sermon and just, you know, talking about tongues coming upon people. Everyone's able to hear what Peter is saying in their own languages. And it lists out everybody who was from which regions. And they're they're just mind-blown. And so, they're complete change of heart, this belief. And they're like, what, what do we do? And Peter's like, believe in your heart be baptized. So, very, very important. And I think it's so important to hammer home, reiterate, and just continue to repeat this throughout this entire episode. We cannot earn this. We don't deserve this. It is fully an act of grace, an act of mercy, that we are able to enter into a relationship with Christ. Because on our own, Apart from him, we will always choose the opposite of Christ and his standards. Our flesh desires are strong. They, they, we, we cannot overcome them on our own. No. Yeah. And it's like, why would you even want to think that we deserve it? Because it makes it so much more rewarding that like we didn't deserve it and he just gave it to us. Like yeah. knowing that we didn't deserve it. Well, it, it goes back to our, you know, our purpose here on earth. And there's no reason for us to be here. Except that God wanted us because he doesn't need us at all whatsoever. So, I mean, that's pretty cool to think yeah, about. Yeah. Too. <laughs> it's humbling. It's humbling. Yeah. It's humbling because you, when you have the proper view of this, it's humbling to say, man, I I am pretty much worthless on my own and I yeah. am useless and I am wretched. I am vile. But yet he still called me. He yeah. still chose me. He still wanted to have a relationship with me. And that should be should be humbling. It, it sometimes isn't mm-hmm. when you start taking it the wrong way and you start letting yeah. your pride and arrogance get in there. But it should be a very humbling idea that there, there is nothing I could have done to earn this. In fact, I deserve the exact opposite of what I'm getting. 100%. It's like a remote without batteries, but then he gave us batteries. I like that. <laughs> what? I think I, wait a minute. I think I like that. Hang on. <laughs> I mean, it works. Yeah, it does work. Why'd you say hold on? We, we're. I, was I had to process. Thinking, yeah, I was had to process that one. one. I like it. Yeah. All right, moving on. We're going to look at John chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 5 and 16. So, John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then we're going to look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So, Again, talking about that belief, not the demonic belief, it's that true belief in Christ, that saving grace. It is so important. So, jumping to my next point, uh, in John chapter 3, a few verses before where you just said, uh, verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. When Nicodemus was like, he knows that Jesus is from God, but he didn't put his trust in, in Christ, saying that, again, knowledge isn't enough, or knowledge alone isn't enough. Also, just the knowledge and the approval of that knowledge, like, you still need to put your trust in Jesus and, like, yeah. the belief, like, what you were saying, and confess and all that. You just can't say enough that the knowledge alone isn't enough. Yeah. Well, and I can believe... And acknowledge and say two plus two equals four. I can say that all day and and say, yeah, I agree with that. Two plus two equals four. It is true. I know it. But then when I go to take my math test and I put two plus two equals six, I'm wrong. (laughs) And and what it's the trust. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what did that knowledge and approval of that knowledge gain me when I get the answer on the test wrong? It gains me nothing. I don't, yeah. You don't trust the equation. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So in that analogy, the test or the correct answer is that what is that eternal life? Well, it is two the two plus two equals eternal life? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> we just answered the question. That's it, and we're done. Everyone's been saying four. I mean, what's <laughs> no, in that in that analogy, the correct answer, quote unquote, on the test would be an actual salvific faith okay. that leads to heart change and life change, not just a knowledge and a oh yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, an actual. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. And then I do something about it. The action. The action has to reflect your belief. Right. Yeah. Going, expounding off of that, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. That is key right there, that we should walk in him. Uh, it goes back to the the abiding. If you have this faith and you have the obedience, you are walking a life that reflects Christ. If you do not have that life that is reflecting Christ, going based on his teachings, that uh, you're obeying. If you're not obeying, you, you need to look at that. You need to look within yourself. Like whenever you do communion and it says you you need to reflect on yourself, do that. And you need to ask yourself the question and pray, Lord God, am am I saved? And again, if you do not have obedience, you are not living your life for Christ and you're living in sin and you don't think it's wrong. You need to look at it as, okay, am I truly saved? Yeah, and let's look at that practically a little bit. Um, What does that actually look like? So, you you hit on this. With common grace, there's a general knowledge of morality that we all share, believers and non-believers alike, okay? We all 
have a general idea that, hey, stealing is wrong. Taking something that doesn't belong to you is not, is not a good thing. Killing, killing people. S- killing someone, that, killing an innocent person is not a good thing. Yeah. We all have those ideas. And that, that's why you have laws. That's why you have a, a government that says, hey, let's enforce these laws for the common good of people. Okay, that's part of common grace. What this is talking about, and, and, and as a believer, when you start to kind of think through your salvation and think through, do I have a, re- a regenerated heart? Do I have a new heart? When you do things that you know are against Scripture, when you do things that you know are contrary to God's will, are you convicted by that? Yeah. Or are you numb to it? Are you like, eh, it's fine? Or Yeah, yeah. do you not think it's a wrong? Or, I mean, let's go a little deeper here. Do you know it's wrong, but don't care? Do you know it's against God's plan, God's design, God's will, God's word, and just like, it's fine? Well, how are you justifying it, too? Exactly. Are you going, uh, again, your knowledge, you're going through Scripture, and you're picking out Scripture that, again, is out of context, and you're justifying what you're doing. You're deconstructing. Mm-hmm. You're you're picking pieces of the Bible and picking pieces of Christianity that you like and getting rid of the rest. That's when the red flag should go up. We talked about last week during the church with the purpose of the church. When you're sitting in church, are there moments where you're feeling convicted? When you're feeling a little bit of a tug, say, "Man, this area of my life is not is not lining up." If that doesn't happen ever, there's a problem. Yep. There, there's a red flag that you need to be like, hey, maybe maybe I don't have this. Maybe I am just up here in my head and not not in my heart. Yeah, either either A, it's your church. <laughs> your church isn't, uh, or your pastor isn't preaching things that he needs to. Or, yeah, it's, it's you. All right, so looking at the next verse I have, again, just bringing it home, beating the proverbial dead horse, I guess. I don't know. We're going to go to Mark chapter 16, verse 16. <laughs> What? Why is there a dead horse? Beating a dead horse? You've never heard Have that you never before? heard that phrase? What? <laughs> like you, you're beating the horse to no. keep going, and then the horse falls over and dies, and you keep, you keep beating the horse? <laughs> or like beating around the bush or something. Is that a thing? I mean, yes, that's a I, thing, is but a that's thing, not, but that's not what this. we're talking about. I'm sitting here reading it. I hear something about a beating a dead horse. I was like, wait a minute. We'll talk about analogies later. Um, <laughs> all right. So Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So again, belief, belief, belief. It is important. There are things that go along with it, though. So we are going to skip over to First John. So Austin, real quick, just to put a little, and maybe not context, but just to kind of mention something here that, that I want to make sure people understand: baptism is not salvation. So he does say, "Repent and be baptized, and you will be saved." Yes, yes. Baptism is important. Baptism is obedience, but that's what that is. Baptism is obedience. Once you confess and believe, and in, in that transformation takes place in your heart, the moment you confess and believe, baptism follows right. as an act of obedience, as an outward act of, hey, I now belong to Christ. It is not, well, you repent, you're saved, but you're not really saved until you get dunked underwater. That's right. that's not it. It It is that first act of obedience as a believer is to be baptized. So there is something to be said for not waiting. There is something to be said for it happens immediately. We see that all through Scripture, where it happens. Baptism happens like that. It has changed over the years, obviously, in in, in the Western culture, at least mm-hmm. the Western churches. Um, 
where they do baptisms once a month, once a month, or they take you through a class and then you're baptized. I think that's okay too because I don't think baptism is the requirement for salvation. I think the obedience is a requirement, and you need to be moving towards baptism. Right, and and that's it. It's the actual physical being dunked under water. It, it, it does not save you. Again, it's the act of obedience. What saves you is the immersion of the Spirit. Correct. Your baptism through the Spirit when you, again, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that He came, He died, He rose, and He ascended into heaven. You believe and you confess that with your mouth, you are saved. And being baptized is, again, that outward show of obedience. And like we're saying, that that balance between obedience and knowledge. You got to have the obedience to go with the knowledge or else your knowledge is worth absolutely nothing. Yeah. So leading off that and kind of finishing up my last, my last verse I have, uh, we're going to look at first John chapter one, verse nine through 10. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And uh, so, word. This is actually a different translation. It is not the logos. It is rama. Logos is the word, as in it, it's Jesus. Capital W. Capital W. Yeah, looking at uh, John one one. in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God. That's Jesus. This word, his word, is not in us is Rama. Rama, R-H-E-M-A, is the actual physical word that is spoken by Christ. The actual physical representation of the words coming out of Christ, out of God. So the distinction there, just to kind of give a little bit of context. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what's the first step of salvation? Is understanding your need for it. Yes. Right? What was it they say for addicts? The first step of of solving a problem is admitting you have one. Admitting you have one, yeah. And and that is that is so accurate when it comes to salvation. That first step is understanding that we deserve hell and realizing you cannot do this at all on your own. You right. you can't even get help from people. You need help from the God of the universe. That's the yeah. only way you can get out of it. You know, I would assume a lot of people listening to this most have faith. Most are believers. So I want to encourage them to be secure in their salvation, be secure in their faith, and and to know that as if you're seeing a heart change, if you're seeing obedience, if you're being convicted when you sin, if you're being convicted when your actions and your attitudes don't line up with Christ, be secure in that salvation. Understand that that is the Holy Spirit working in you, and the only way that happens is if you have a sal- salvation or salvific relationship with Christ. It's the only way that happens. Yeah. For those of you who may be kind of thinking, ah, I don't know if I, don't, maybe that doesn't happen. I don't have the, that conviction. I don't have that nagging when I do something wrong. Maybe look into that. Or I'm not that bad. Uh, you know, I, I may do this, this, and this, but he does that. That's, that's also a red flag. That's also something to say, hey, let, let's maybe think through this and, and think, hey, do I have a head knowledge or do I have the head and heart? Is, is it both? Because, again, it, it's so important to understand. That's what Paul's talking about when he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. It's not talking about doing something to earn salvation. It's thinking through and reasoning your salvation. Am I saved? Yeah. Am I a believer? Am I part of God's family? 
Yeah. It's and, something it, it's something <clears throat> that even I I think it's healthy for strong Christians to to wrestle with from time to time. Yeah. And it's it's a question you need to ask yourself, especially if you see yourself or get to the point where you're you're realizing that you know you're lacking in your obedience. You're like, all right, let me look at this and dig a little bit deeper. And I, just, I have a, actually a couple more verses. I'm sorry. No. Never <laughs> um, apologize for having more Bible. Right. We're in First John, so I'm I'm gonna go with it. Okay. First John go for is it. is very important when it comes to this topic. So. Uh, I'll just go through and I'll read several of them and we can talk about it a little bit. So 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfect in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And again, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 7, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. First John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him. And when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And last, First John chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So, going off of that one, you know, what's the common saying? We're all children of God, right? False. We are not all children of God. We are not all adopted into the kingdom of heaven. Those who confess and believe in their heart, they are the children of God. Those who do not believe, Christ says it himself, you are the children of the devil. And it is so important if you guys, are, again, are struggling with this concept, go go read First John. First John is very helpful with picking these things out. If you do this, you are not there. If you are doing this, then you are there. Very important. And, and it's important to remember too, because I think you can also go too far in the direction of, well, I, I sinned. Uh, that's it. I'm done. I'm right. a lost yeah. cause. Yeah. And, and we need to make sure that, that we don't go that direction either. We're all still going to struggle with sin until the day we die. Like that's not, that's never going to change. First John 3, 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning, that's, that's talking about your continual sin. It's habitual. It, living. Yeah. You're living in sin. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, if you are living in sin, you are ba- basically habitually offending, and you don't see a problem with it. You need to be on your face, on your knees before God, saying, Lord, forgive me. And the repentance, you know, it's the difference between repentance and saying you're sorry. Saying you're sorry is just a Band-Aid. It doesn't fix anything. It's, please forgive me. And then once you've asked for forgiveness, 
your actions have to change. If they do not change, <laughs> there might be a problem. There might be a problem. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I am not one to say you're not saved. That is not for me. That is not for me to say. That is between you and God. But what I can do, if you're professing to be a Christian and you are living in sin and don't have a problem with it, then as your fellow brother in Christ, it is my job to say, you're living in sin. If you cannot fix this, you don't see a problem with it. Your fruit, which we're going to get into, your fruit tells me you're a dead tree. There's nothing growing on you. Therefore, you are not a product of Christ. So, uh, Austin, going back to what you said about repentance needing to be actual behavior change, not just saying you're sorry. I use this really goofy analogy when I would teach like youth ministry or, or do whatever. Uh, <laughs> if I come up to you, Carter, and I push you down the stairs, and you get hurt, and you are a little bit angry that I pushed you down the stairs. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> and I'm like, Carter, I am so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. That was awful. Please forgive me. I, I, it's not going to happen again. Carter, being a good Christian, will say, no. <laughs> yes of course i forgive you and, of and, forgive. and so it happens once and whatever but like a week later i push carter down the stairs again well this time he's gonna be like oh okay i, I forgive you but like we can't be doing this anymore please like we please stop. don't push me down the stairs again my orb- orbitals and my <laughs> eye sockets hurt and so he, he extends that forgiveness that next time and he believes my apology. He accepts my apology. He's, he believes I've repented and I feel bad for it. Well, then, uh, two days later, I push him down the stairs a third time. At that point, I think Carter's like, he's really not sorry for this because he keeps <laughs> doing it over and over again. Um, I am going to forgive you, but like, we're not, we're not friends anymore. This is not a thing. We're not going down the same stairs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that to me, it's goofy. It's, it's kind of funny because it's not something I would ever do, push Carter down the stairs. Yeah. But... You definitely would do that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, if the situation were... Okay. Depending you know, on the stairs. Right. Day in the stairs. Is it a two One or stair. three step? <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it actually works because you think about when you're, you're asking God for forgiveness and you're repenting of your sin, but then three minutes later, you're doing the same thing. And then three minutes later, you're doing the same thing. And th- eventually, God's going to be like, you're probably not actually sorry for this. Not to say you're not going to struggle with that same sin over and over again, because right. you will. I mean, Paul talks about the thorn in the side, and, and there's a lot of speculation as to what that is. I would, I think the best argument is it was a specific sin that he struggled with consistently. But if there is habitual thing, eventually the apology means nothing. Eventually right. the, the I'm, please forgive me doesn't mean anything because you won't take the steps needed to change that behavior. Yeah. Well, and if you have kids, <laughs> the the teaching of the sorry versus the apology and, you know, when your your kid does something to the other kid and you're having them apologize, it's, well, well what do they start out with? Sorry. No, no, <laughs> come on. Sorry, I hit you. No. And teaching them, would you please forgive me? And it's a heart thing. You have to, you have to believe it. If you're just saying sorry, as the person on the other side of that sorry is like, I don't believe you at all. Don't. Like, there's no point in coming to me and saying you're sorry if you don't believe it. Like, that hurts worse. Right. And so, looking at it from, again, the best I can from God's perspective, you're you're doing something over and over and over again. And every time you're saying, oh, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. And even, okay, you say the word, forgive me. Again, the word means nothing unless you truly mean it. And uh, you can just imagine God being up there being like, bro, you're doing this every day, multiple times a day. I... 
there's no there's no change there. Right. It's a habit, not a slip up. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It, it's not a oh I messed up and pushed Carter down the stairs accidentally. Oops. Or Oops. in the heat of the moment I pushed Carter down the stairs. Spark. It. it <laughs> it's a every time I'm me and Carter are near stairs I push him down. It, it's a habit, not a slip up. <laughs> you see stairs, you're like, oh, let's just go over there. I think I see something over there. <laughs> so that's your desire <laughs> to push him down to the push stairs. Push him down the stairs. I like it. <laughs> So looking at that, like that is not repentance. Just like um, I want to look at, I have two definitions for repentance, actually. One of them is from the back of the Bible and kind of just a thing off topic, but not really off topic. I've been like, sometimes I'll just randomly go to the back, like the glossary, and I'll just look up words in the Bible and just like find out what they mean. And that's it's really—that's cool. actually really good. Yeah, I'll that's just a learn, good thing to do. I'll just learn a new word, and it's better than the dictionary because it's from the Bible. So yeah, I, but so for that, if you guys reach a word in the Bible that you have no idea what it means, it, I mean, yeah, we have Google now, but you can. Yeah, there is there a is glossary glossaries. in the back of the, yeah. your book. You can or the Bible back of the Bible, <laughs> the book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look it up. See what it means. So yeah, here is the definition for repentance from the Bible: a complete change of heart and mind regarding one's overall attitude toward God or one's individual actions, true regeneration and conversion is always accompanied by repentance. It is a complete change of heart like you're, and complete change of heart and mind. Like You are not going to be the same after you full or truly repent. And then another definition I have, it's from a book called Systematic the- Theology by Wayne Grudem. You should go check it out. It's a pretty good book. Repentance is heartfelt sorrow for sin, a renouncing of it, and a sincere commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience of Christ. So both definitions further the point that it doesn't mean you're just saying sorry and then you're going to go keep doing it again, or you're going to repent from it and walk towards more obedience with Christ. And in your active, walk... Active pursuit of obedience. Mm-hmm. Which we've been saying a lot. A lot. A lot. Quite a bit. It's important. But faith and repentance must come together. And from the same book, I'm going to read a paragraph. It was a lot to write down, and I couldn't summarize my own words, so I'm just going to read it. (laughs) That's Um, right. You cited it, so we're good. Exactly. This definition indicates that repentance is something that can occur at a specific point in time and is not equivalent to a demonstration of change in a person's pattern of life. Repentance, like faith, is an intellectual understanding that sin is wrong, an emotional approval of the teachings of Scripture regarding a sin, a sorrow for a sin and a hatred of it, and a personal decision to turn from it, a renouncing of sin, and a decision of the will to forsake it and lead a life of obedience to Christ instead. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. I I need to get that. I need to get that book. It's good I need book. to read it. And it's um, another point is faith and repentance are supposed to carry on through your entire life. Like, it's not just... The first, like, just like the first year of being a Christian, you just like, you're good for the rest of your life. Like, it's not just a one thing. Like, you, it's a continual thing for the rest of your life. Well, it, it, it's that process of sanctification and that, that three, the already current and not yet idea of salvation and sanctification. I have been saved. I am being saved and I will be saved. And that's the same way with sanctification is I have been sanctified through Christ, through his blood. I am being sanctified by being more like him every day. And I'm going to be sanctified at the end of the age when I have my glorified perfect body. Yes. And if you look back in Matthew, Jesus even told his disciples to pray this prayer every day, the Lord's Prayer. And it 
and forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven those who sin against us. So like, that's a daily thing. We're supposed to forgive our sins and forgive others. So it's just like, an, it's not just a one-time thing. So getting a little bit deeper on, are you a Christian? How can you tell? Uh, we're going to get into some of the major key hitting points through scripture. So one of them being Galatians chapter five, verses 16 through 26. It's talking about that struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And uh, we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. What does what, what are those? What do they look like? So I'll go ahead and read it out for us. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, going back a little bit, it lists out the things of the flesh. It lists out these, these sins. And what does it say directly afterwards? Again, this is Paul writing to the church of Galatians. He is writing to believers. So believers who do these things, idolatry, sorcery, drunkenness, orgies, sensuality, impurity, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. If you are doing these things, living in these things, not just doing it, repenting, turning away from it, you are living these things. It says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Guys, that is important. If you are a Christian and there are things in here that you are doing, and and it, it's not just, okay, well, I don't do th- that list of things. Well, no, it says, and things like these. It's more, <laughs> the list is more exhaustive than that. But as a Christian, if you're living in sin, and you're not repentant, you're not turning away, uh, first thing that comes to mind is you are uh, living with your boyfriend, okay? You, or you're living with your girlfriend, and you're justifying it by saying, well, we're going to get married. We're, we're getting married. Why are you living with them? You are living in sexual immorality. That That's sin. And if you are living in it, you don't see a problem with it. It says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is something I think the church has not done a great job of mm, yeah. of really fleshing out and yes. really teaching, because what what you're seeing and, and again, I alluded to this a few minutes ago in this episode <laughs> about you know these these famous Christians who are stepping away from the faith, walking away. And here's what I would say to that. I'm just going to read this little paragraph I wrote um, because I was a little fired up yesterday. Uh, going through some of this stuff. But the church has not done a good job recently of proclaiming the whole gospel. We focus on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which, yes, that is the gospel, but we don't talk about the why enough. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did this plan of salvation have to be put into place anyway? Like, what, what was the purpose of it? 
And it's because we are sinners in need of a Savior. We are not good people. We fail God constantly, and without Christ, we will pay for our sin and rebellion. So if someone is claiming that they love Jesus, but they refuse to believe that Jesus will judge them for their sin, then they don't love the Jesus of the Bible. Well, it says that you call him a liar. You are calling the God of the universe a liar. So, right. And so that leads me to believe that if you come to this point in your faith where you say, yeah, I believe in the universal Jesus. I believe in just kind of the, he's one way to heaven. He's not the way to heaven. If you come to that conclusion, come to that point, I would argue you probably weren't saved to begin with because, again, you were claiming you love Jesus, but you're refusing to believe that he's going to judge you for your sin, that that you deserve hell. It's not just this love wins, everything is awesome, everything is great universalism. That's not what this is. Yeah. You deserve hell. You deserve eternal condemnation. The wages of sin is death. And, the ch- and for all have short, fallen short of the glory of God. And the church, big C, the church needs to get back to preaching that. Yes. Get back to teaching that we are not good people. We are not, everyone's basically good. That's not true. No. That's not how, that's not us. There is no evidence for that, even. Well, the, the, you only, don't, the you only, only evidence that goes against it is, well, not the only, but the big one is Jesus saying, no one is good. Well, and you don't teach your toddler how to misbehave. You don't teach your 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 child how to hit their sibling, how to do that just happens. It happens. Because that's natural. That is our natural bend. Sinful desires. So my challenge in this, churches, start teaching this again. Wake up. Understand this is why we're having such a mass exodus out of the church. Because we're not preaching and teaching our need for a savior, our, our absolute need for a savior, that there is nothing we can do to, to earn it, and that without Christ alone, without solas Christas, Christ alone, we cannot and will not enter heaven, and we will be in hell. Not purgatory, not some energy, out in whatever, a place of eternal suffering, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yes, hellfire and brimstone, I get it. That's not comfortable to talk about. But that is how important this is. We have to talk about it. And it it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. It's supposed to put that fear of God aspect in you. And yeah, yeah you don't want to go there? Okay. Let's do something about it. Right. There are two options. There are two options. Yeah. Pick one. And you can tell that no one's like, or that they don't teach about hell as much because people think that it's just like, they think it's how earth is, like how it's just partying or alcohol and all that stuff. But they don't realize that it's not just that. It's like, it's torture. And it's just, the worst thing about it is that it's the complete absence of Christ. And like, you need to understand that that's horrible. And you don't, you shouldn't want that. People are like, I'll have fun now. And I'll just enjoy hell when I'm gone. That common grace that we talked about at the beginning of the episode is gone. Once you are in hell, once you leave this earth and you are either in heaven or hell, if you are in hell, that common grace is no more. There is no more common grace. There is nothing good to enjoy. It is, like you said, the complete absence of the presence of God. Well, and it lists out. It does. It tells you exactly what to expect in hell. Mm-hmm. And that's only from a human mind perspective. It says it is a lake of fire, okay? A lake of fire that you will be sitting in, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. What is gnashing of teeth? Well, you're basically grinding your teeth into dust you're like you were hurting that bad 
And I, again, Lake of Fire, I don't know what that is. You're in a volcano. You're in <laughs> lava. Yeah. Lava is like 2,000 degrees plus. Like you're, you're incinerated, only you're not. Because now you're an eternal body burning forever. Yeah. Literally burning forever. Like that's like one of the worst things I could ever possibly think of. But Austin, that's so, I don't want to talk about that. that that's so scary. Feelings. It's so scary. Oh, I, it's I just don't want to believe it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about the way you think about it. Right. I trying to be loving. You know that whole facts don't care about your feelings. But it is loving. It, it is, is loving yes. to talk about this. It is because uh, there was a, there was a video I saw years ago of Penn Jillette, uh the, the the magician of Penn and Teller, oh, who yeah. was given a Bible. Staunch atheist. Very very outspoken atheist. He was given a Bible at a show. And this guy said, you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm proselytizing. Like, I'm, I want you to read this. I am sharing this with you because I, I care about you and I want you to read this. And he made this comment. He said, Penn, it didn't, obviously it didn't change his mind or anything. God, God hasn't worked on him in that area yet. But you see this thought process for Penn Gillette. And he goes, if you truly believe you have the only way to avoid hell, if you hold the key to heaven and it's the only key and you how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them that? Yeah. To not share that with them. How much do you have to hate that person to say, hey, yeah, I have the only key to heaven. The only way you're going to get to heaven is this key right here. I have it, but I'm not going to share it with you. That That is hate. That is pure hate. Yeah. It is pure love to say, brother, this is the only way to get out of the head to avoid that and share it. Share it with people. Well, and I, I look at it, at it too, as in you see this guy running off of a cliff. Okay. What are you going to do? Hey, 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 hey. But hey, man, um, there's a cliff. Hey, I mean, hey, if you want to, if you want to stop, it's cool. If you, I mean, if you don't, I get it. Yeah, like it's, it's fine. A, you cliff, do there, you. There's a cliff there. Don't, don't. No, you, you better be screaming at the top of your lungs, dude. There's a cliff. Tackle him. Tackle him. Yeah, rope him. <laughs> I mean, they'll probably hate you for it until they realize. No, granted, that's again, that's up to God if right. He makes them realize that. But yeah. But what I was gonna say was, whenever you just said how you hold the only key and you won't share it, how much do you hate them? crazy thing is i was like just about to say that word for word and i've never seen that video so that was cool that's cool see we, that's awesome. we think a lot of alike <laughs> okay i look I, hey i got my little paragraph out i feel good now we can, we can stop like, i'm You're good <laughs> all right so i have a few more scripture verses to go along with how do you know if it worked so first one galatians chapter 4 verse 6 through 7 and because you are sons God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Again, this is talking about once you have accepted, you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You are a son of God. You are justified. You are justified. You have a a, a legal standing of not guilty in front of God. Yeah. Well, okay. And what does that mean? You are a son of the king. What What is that? You are a royal prince. You are a royal princess of the king of the universe. You are a noble line through Christ. It, I mean, for me, that that's awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. I demand a crown right yeah. now to wear around forever. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, we'll get a crown. Well, yeah, I mean, once we get But then we'll give it back. We'll give it back. Exactly. That's fair. That's cool. All right, continue. Sorry. I was going to say, we're going to lead into different things. Yeah. I've got... <laughs> All right, getting back on topic. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 16. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. 
For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we must understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, as it says in uh, Galatians chapter 4, the Spirit of God's Son has entered you. This in 1 Corinthians will be very apparent. Your Spirit will be able to discern these things. If you cannot discern those things, again, you need to look within yourself and ask yourself the question Am I truly saved? And just to throw another scripture at you um, while you're looking up your next one. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yes. Kind of kind of important. Just every, t- every time I go to say something, he just he makes a noise. <laughs> falls or... So next one, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking truth in love, we are to grow, grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Again, once you have accepted the Holy Spirit inside, there must be growth. Once you have that you know, conversion moment, if there is no growth there is probably something wrong. To kind of end this out for me, I want to look at Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21. This is discussing marks of a true Christian, okay? Uh, Pointing out very specific things that if you are a Christian, a Christ follower, you are to be doing these things. Verse 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, if you are, if you guys are struggling with this, uh, the scripture we've we've laid out, go through, read it, ponder it, pray about it, meditate on it, and then look within yourself. Say, is there growth within me? 
Has there been a change? Think of it as a pig, okay? What is what do pigs eat? Just garbage. They eat anything. Pigs do not eat bacon. Pigs are bacon. Pigs are bacon. I'm talking about what they eat. <laughs> anyway, they eat just garbage. They they eat trash. Okay? That's what we were. That's what we were if you guys have changed. Now, as you change, you converge into this new creation, this new person. If you go back as a human and eat the same garbage the pigs do, that should make you feel sick. Like a dog returning to his vomit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you're eating the same garbage and it's making you sick and you're throwing it up, that should tell you something. Versus you're still the pig eating garbage proclaiming to be Christ, proclaiming to follow Christ. Again, look at that. It's such a great concept to really wrestle with, and, and I hope it, this is encouraging. I hope it's convicting. I hope it's a little bit of both, um, where, yeah, I, you know what? I do feel bad when I when I sin. Like, my conscience, the Holy Spirit is working on me when I sin. That should make you encourage. That should encourage you. Yes. And, and you are on the right path. You are doing what you need to be doing. Also, I wanted to convict you. I wanted, man, there's some areas here I'm struggling with, or, ooh, I don't get convicted when I do these things. Let's yeah. start digging into that. Let's have a conversation with someone. Let's, let's, me and God have a conversation. Let's work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I, I really enjoy that. Uh, Carter has actually some homework for you as a listener to leave us with before we close out this episode. Carter, what you got? So this is a longer assignment than last week or in the past. Like, you're going to have to spend more time on it. So... It's not just a question. It's going to be a whole thing that you're going to have to do. So at some point this week within like, so when this comes out on Tuesday, before the next Tuesday rolls around, try to have, and this doesn't have to all be in the same day, 30 minutes of like quiet, just like go put away your phone, get the Bible out, start praying and examine yourself. Like, so this is going to be a self-examination. And so it's just like in your reading time or while you're praying, any of those I have some questions that you're going to have to answer that go hand in hand with repentance. Did you feel a sincere sorrow for sin when you first came to Christ? Did it lead you to a genuine commitment to forsake sin, or are you still committing those same sins? How long was it before you noticed a change in your pattern of life? Yeah, absolutely. Don't Don't just skip over this. This is going to be really challenging for you, and it should convict you if you are still struggling with those sins to not yeah, to it can continue be really to helpful grow. to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, thank you so much for listening this week. This was oh, this this one was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed this one. Got a little worked up, uh, maybe still a little worked up, but <laughs> well, it's, this one's got us worked up for other avenues that we're wanting to go into. Especially yeah. this next week. This next week is going to be yeah a very big one. Yeah, and we'll discuss that on Thursday. But, guys, thank you so much again for listening. Uh, just remember, uh, closing thought here, and, and maybe the sign-off for this week instead of stay rooted, but just, just a little nugget here. Just remember, you deserve hell, period. You deserve hell. But because of Christ, because of his atonement, because of his work on the cross, you don't have to end up there. Yep. So, stay rooted. And if you're not, become rooted. Stay rooted. Stay rooted. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, 
or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rootedinlogospod.